Patrulha! Back, my friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and Ronnie James D.O.G. goes crazy. Right on cue. As we put all of these songs into one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens, I'm Kevin Williams. That's Ronnie James D.O.G. And that's Robert Harrison. I am the caretaker of said Ronnie James D.O.G. And yes. He's excited. He was ready for this podcast. He just couldn't wait. No, he's, he's had a little caffeine. Introduce me. Introduce me. <laughs> Actually, I'm the one that had caffeine. I have to warn everybody. Uh-oh. Normally, I've had a beer or two by the time we start the podcast. And today... You don't seem too jumpy, though. Oh, just... Oh, it's going to come? Yeah. Oh, okay. Happen. This is the lull before the storm. <laughs> You can start Are you stuttering me? Stuttering. <laughs> so certainly you have some stories to tell me this week. There's something that went on that the people need to know. Well, I mean, right now, my house is a freaking three-ring circus. I've yeah, got... I walked in. <laughs> I got to say, I walked in and I heard some like cool funk music upstairs. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm going to walk up there. And I walk up there and there's lights on and there's something being projected on a wall. Yeah. And um, there's two guys just sitting down looking at me like, who's this guy? Yeah, who the hell are you? <laughs> Walking in here like you on the joint. I was like, how are you doing? And I just walked into your kitchen and went, hmm, beer. Where? Yeah, Where's the beer? You know where that is. <laughs> I have my main room is being converted into a theater for a theatrical performance tomorrow and the next night, two-night show. So it's a long story, but yeah, so I, I'm donating the use of my home for that to support the arts, because I like to do that. And then we're doing a podcast in the downstairs studio, and then at Carpenters in the backyard, building a front porch in the backyard. Front porch in the backyard. Front porch in the back. It's the front back porch. Back front porch. Yeah, because there's no front porch on the firehouse. Firehouses don't have front porches. And I love a good front porch. Just you know, mm. a nice place to hang out and chat. Well, we've, we've talked about it the last two weeks. Yeah. If you're going to run from the swamp thing, you have to have at least a porch. That's the only yeah, place you can- Yeah, you're safe on the porch. Yeah, you're safe on the porch. Exactly. As soon as you step off, you're done. No, you're done. And so I'm building one of those in the backyard. It'll be big enough for a swing and some rocking chairs. You know, old-fashioned. It's going to look old-timey. Okay. Like a rustic front porch. Picture that, huh. like an old farmhouse. That's Looking across be. at the beach. At the beach. Yes, the beach is to your left. Robert's <laughs> undersea adventure is directly ahead. And if you don't know what that is, that's a long story too. At some point, we'll talk about that. I'm building an undersea need, adventure in my backyard. We need pictures, of course, to yeah. go along with these Give crazy me, stories. People think you're just weeks. full of shit. Uh, well, that's, he's not. That's okay. I'm, I'm not these are too real. far from that sometimes, but yes. Uh, I built a beach in the backyard. We've discussed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you had a little issue because we had a bunch of rain. Oh, well, we had a biblical flood and, two, twice. Uh, how'd you keep that sand in the beach? <laughs> uh, thoughts and prayers. Okay. That kept it in there. <laughs> and this, there was a little stream of sand running out in the yard. I'm like, oh, I didn't think this through very well. When you build a beach from scratch, there are certain things that Mother Nature knows how to do, but I had an erosion problem. So we have taken some measures and some steps to help with that erosion. But the funny thing is, I'm from Florida. We have the same thing in Florida. They have problems with this beautiful white sand eroding, and they have to bring in more sand sometimes, certain places. The way the currents run, they'll bring in a barge, pump the sand pump on the, the beach. Pump the sand up. That's so cool. Yeah, and it's just it instant basically just beach. have a big vacuum that yeah. sucks the sand out. 
sand off the seafloor. Well, the problem is, whatever else it sucks up, they pump out onto the beach. So there's dead fish. Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, Jim, stuff you don't want. And so occasionally they have to go out and like pick up things that might be thrown up on the beach that shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the dead fish smell lasts for a couple of weeks and then it goes away. Yum. But yeah, once Sushi. again, love, things you don't think about when you're like, oh, I'd love to live on the beach. No, not necessarily. You may want to visit the beach, but living there is a completely different situation. And they have things like red tide, and that's not a detergent. <laughs> it's this bacteria no. that gets in the water, and when the waves get stirred up and the wind gets stirred up, it becomes airborne, and it makes you cough. It doesn't kill you, but it's just an irritant, so you constantly have to cough, and you have these weddings on the beach. And I went to my friend's wedding in Destin, Florida. Beautiful beach everything's decorated everybody's wearing white and khaki pants what a bunch of crap and you go out there and everybody's coughing because of the red tide and the poor friend of mine that had to sing the solo at the wedding she's about to cry because she's trying not to cough and so once again these are the things you don't think about when you see oh we vacationed in Destin it was hell you just suck jellyfish getting washed up on the beach you know just all these problems that you have to deal with that the tourism board and they don't tell you about that that you plan your family vacation six months in advance you get there and there's an algae bloom and there's algae bloom yeah like a foot of seaweed and algae washed up on the beach it smells horrible so yeah it's not all fun and then you'll throw in what we talked about last week with hurricanes and yeah once again this is why I'm in Atlanta I got tired of it well, after you cough and don't get off, go listen to Pot of Thunder, Damn. Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock. I never said that. Slam Fest Podcast, <laughs> Decibel Geek, A to Z Radio, Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, Disciples of the Watch, Podcast Rock City, Sean Geek and Fast Fret Podcast, State of America, Rock Strikes 10, Potter Than Hell, The Ron Keel Podcast, Shout It Out Loudcast, The Kiss Room, Ages of Rock, Retro Zest Podcast, and Doom! Forget about Monty. Hey, hey, hey. It's Monty. Oh, it's Monty. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot that part. Monty's Rockcast. Come visit us at inobscuria.com. Like us, share us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Leave us a review. X, please. It's Ah, X. They haven't changed it on my phone. Until my little bird goes away, I'm still going to be tweeting. And What do you do? You X people? Instead of tweeting them, you X them. You X them. That's That's not good. He didn't think this through. No. Elon. I don't think he did. It, okay, well, well, I'll write Xing. him. I'll, I, Xing's a whole different thing. I'll uh, I'll tag him on Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> is that, like that. Instagram. Yeah. There is a there is a new. Is it Instagram has a new? Is it, which one has? God no! Don't the, don't ask me, dude. I am hanging by uh, a thread. You know, I'm an old guy. I don't really yeah, know I'm not. Things. I am not adopting any new platforms. I got on Instagram barely, and I I do post a few things on Instagram. But wow, yeah, I I've, I'm done. Anything right. else that comes out, I'm sticking with just sending people emails. Got it. We're we're old people. Yeah. We're over our tips right now, so we will just stop right there. Yeah. So you mentioned it already, sort of. It's still summer. Here in the deep south, it's still hot, humid, sweaty, yeah, stinky, stanky, and a little bit funky. And I went to the beach for Labor Day. What did you do for the for the Labor Day holiday? Did you do anything? What did I do? No, I, I didn't do a damn thing. Didn't Man, do we we went out to dinner and, and went shopping, a couple of things during the day. But no, there was no, hmm. No, it was actually kind of a nice break in between doing too much stuff during the week. It was a nice you just quiet didn't get weekend. Phone calls. I didn't need phone you didn't, calls. I you didn't worked get customers. in the. No, I, I played in my workshop. There you go. Oh, I, I fixed a table that. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. I did a see tree that limb on. fell and broke a glass table that I've had for twenty five years. It broke the corner of the glass off, and it was in my dining room when I met you over mm-hmm. at the townhouse years ago. And I was pissed. I'm like, I've had this thing for twenty five years, and I was about to throw it away, and realized I can fix it. And I fixed it with metal. Yeah, fix glass. Fix with glass metal. with metal. Right. 
<laughs> it was heavy metal. Medium. It was, it was, okay. I had to use two oh. hands to pick it up, so it was, was kind of heavy. So she said, <laughs> "Okay, so yeah, that was my that was more So you went to the beach, which I went to the beach. Yes, I went to your neck of the woods, the one that from. I just besmirched for five minutes. Exactly. Yeah, and there was no red tide. Good, but there were a whole bunch of people. Yeah, that's the oh other my problem. God, there were a bunch of people there. Labor Day weekend. Woo. How did you even get there? I mean, good, it seems like the roads would be backed up for miles. We drove at night, and it was oh, so nice. You were smart, man. We didn't get there until about one in the morning. Girls slept the whole time, probably. Yep, sure. So enough. it was peaceful. We got there. Quiet. We were able to sleep in. Woke up Friday. We were already there. And Friday was, it was still raining because the hurricane went through last week. So yeah. it, there was still some residual rain for two days, but it cleared up in the afternoons, and we got beach time. And, and it wasn't that hot. No, it, it was, was nice. It was, it was warm, pleasant. but not like it was no, the it last was time when it was like 95 degrees. Not as stinky, stinky, yeah. and funky. But well, good. It was my daughter's 12th birthday. Yeah. Last birthday before the I saw the, the photos and oh my God. I'm like, is this the same girl? I can't yep, believe it. Yep. 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 So she's grown up. She has grown up and she wanted to, we said, what do you want to do? She said, I want to go to the beach. You don't want to party? Nope. I want to go to the beach. I want to get on the boogie board and I want to ride some Smart waves. girl. Smart girl. So I'm like, all right, cool. Well, you're going to need some music. So what kind of music do you want? I don't care. Just whatever you want to put on. So, well, everybody's heard about the bird. Well, I love her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we didn't put that on. Oh. No, no, we didn't put that on. That's what we surfed to. Mm-hmm. No, I thought, well, we do need something that fits the mood. We want something that you can dance to. You want to fit the vibes, the surroundings. Yeah. It's the last of the summer. I guess the summer season's yeah. officially over, right? So it wasn't, so. That, it wasn't full of K-pop and... No, no, no. Teenager stuff. You know what's cool about kids these days? They love all things 80s. That is true. So if you put some kind of 80s mix on in with kind of some of the stuff they like, they yeah. love it. We, we talked about sweet. how the weddings I have here at the firehouse, I'm usually downstairs here in our studio because it's kind of secluded and quiet down here, but I can still hear the reception. And the playlist for the average 20-something white people wedding mm-hmm. is sounds like our prom from 1987, 88, that era. All the big power ballads and hair bands, White Snake, Metallica even. Mm-hmm. It's insane. What, All the great playlists. Yeah. R&B, dancey, funky stuff. Yeah, a little bit of 90s rap and then all 80s metal and hair bands. Yeah. It's well, insane for a wedding reception. We we're in that vibe and we're going to be in that vibe tonight, Robert. I'd like to know, are you really ready for some super dynamite soul? Then thank you because now it's star time. Because this nice. is episode 195. We're going to celebrate the summer going away with something smells funky. Volume 7. Yeah. 80s funk rock. Oh. So not quite as well. This is a little that. bit different for us. You, I think you're going to like this, though. Okay. If I put this in the mix, the kids were dancing. So I'm like, well, if the kids like it, we're going to try it on the podcast. May not be the 80s funk rock you're thinking of. And I I'll, hope it's I'll, not. because I'll go into it. Because we've, yeah. we've done this. We've done, God, we're on volume seven. And we actually had an eighth one because we had Captain Ryan on to go around the world with us and do we funk. We went international. We did international funk. Yeah. This is going to be a little bit different. And we've given you the history of funk 
in rock and how they mixed and we've talked about you know the masters the creators like the meters and james brown parliament funkadelic sly and the family stone oh did i tell you i went and started at the beginning of funkadelic and went you did the entire all the way through and then went to parliament nice and did the whole thing front to back it took you know a minute or two because they got a lot of a lot of albums but that last parliament album oh no not good have you heard it no there's a couple of songs on there i Okay, we'll sorry to we'll talk Table about it that? later. Okay. Table that. All right. We're going to talk about it after the show because you've got to hear this. No, song. I have like all the old stuff, and I don't have anything past. In fact, I, when you said Funkadelic, I was yeah. thinking I believe they only Funkadelic only had an album into maybe ninety. <laughs> I don't remember. It was early, much earlier. Parliament went up until Parliament kept a few going years ago because they just he just decided to combine it all. Yeah, because it already what which was smart. Was. And that's what I was going to say was it starts off funkadelic is very is unique, it's very but later on psychedelic. You can't tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's so amazing. I, I'm hyped about this because it really made me appreciate even more. And I know once again, Captain Ryan is rolling his eyes because he's been telling me this for what ten years now. Well, and, you know, and what we like to talk about is not just that stuff, but the mix that came mostly in the late 70s and 80s where that was being infused with hard rock and metal. Yeah. We've, we got bands like 24-7 Spies, who we've talked about, Living Color, Fishbone, the Chili Peppers came out of that, mm-hmm. even Extreme, you know, that was hair metal band that was kind of doing some funky stuff. So we've talked about a lot of these bands. There's one major artist, though, that changed funk music forever in the 1980s. And I'm going to play a little clip. I think you'll know who it is. It's kind of a famous guy. All hail to the new king. Party man. Party man. idea who that could be yeah i know who it is but i can't pronounce that symbol (laughs) (laughs) it's prince rogers nelson you know his friends just call him prince i called him prince what'd you call him prn (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's widely regarded as one of the greatest musicians of his generation and sure enough he changed funk music forever in the 80s Mm -hmm. everybody wanted to sound like prince Mm mm-hmm 
And Prince would even go on to create a whole bunch of other albums that didn't even have his name on it that he wrote and produced and played on. Mm -hmm. And he changed the face of R&B and funk and really bridged. He's kind of the bridge between new wave rock and funk. And like I said, it ushered in a whole different sound for the 80s that didn't exist before him. And the power of writing a pop song that he had, not just for him, but for other people too. Oh. You know, got obviously the Sinead. The output. And the bangles. Oh, yeah. Manic Monday and all the other stuff that he wrote that were just great songs. And I didn't, I've talked about this before, I didn't appreciate him as much as I should have until after he passed away. And because there were so many retrospects and documentaries and things, I learned a lot about him. And it was like, oh my God, I wish I could have seen him live. So I, I didn't appreciate how good of a guitar player he was. So you didn't have a moment in the 80s where you were like, Little Prince crazy? No, it, oh, okay. it it hit at a time where I was just starting to really listen to music. Like Purple Rain and all that came out in uh, 84, 85, 84, 84 yeah. yeah. And so I was kind of, I was only 14. I didn't know about the, the movie was rated R, I think, so I didn't right. go see it. But yeah, it was, it was a couple of songs on the radio. I knew some friends liked it. Didn't get into it till later, but as the 80s went on, I was getting into the hard stuff, like you, mm -hmm. and so for me, Prince was now, at the late 80s, this king of pop type situation where he's doing a lot of pop music, electronic stuff, the yeah. Batman soundtrack, which... I didn't really get into. And so the, that's where that's from. I loved it. Yeah. I absolutely the loved it. The rock stuff that he did that just like this, I mean, Purple Rain. His the, guitar. All that stuff, the shredding he did on, what was it, George Harrison's Memorial Benefit Show or whatever that was. I can't remember. His, his son was playing and then Tom Petty was there and Tom, Prince comes out and does this unbelievable lead and just like shows everybody up.
and that's been on, made its round on the internet. One of the most memorable Super Bowl halftime that, shows ever. Oh my god! While it purple was rain, pouring while rain. it's raining, yeah. you know, that's the, that's when I was heavily into him. By then, I was like, this guy's amazing. And then, like I said, he passes, and I realized, wait a minute, he's even more talented than I thought he was. And on top of all that, he was known for his flamboyancy, just being flamboyant, androgynous, mm. his, his whole persona mm. where he didn't, I don't know if you remember, for the longest time, he never spoke in public. Like, you didn't hear him speak unless he was in the movies. And when he did, you couldn't hear him. Yeah, it was Like very, when uh, American Bandstand, he was getting interviewed on that. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he, he just, he played his part mm-hmm. so well that he created that whole persona. His vocal range was outrageous. I mean, he could yeah. sound just like, to me, he was like the the rebellious version of what Michael Jackson was trying to be. Like Michael Jackson was pop and fake. Yeah. Prince was the real deal. He could, he could pull it off. And the other things like uh, seeing a concert with him and an acoustic guitar and seeing how magnetic he was. And I know I, I played in front of people with an acoustic guitar. It's hard to fill up the room sometimes when you're, you can play really quiet, soft-spoken singer-songwriter stuff. But when you're trying to really entertain, the stuff that he would do with that acoustic and how he interacted with the audience, it's a lost art sometimes. I, I, maybe not completely, but you don't see the people that have that magnetism with the audience oh, yeah. that draws people in. Everybody loved him. That was, that was the biggest thing to me. He played so many styles. He infused so many styles. Not just funk, but R&B, rock, Mm -hmm. new wave, soul, synth pop. Uh, He even has some jazz characteristics to some of his songs, blues, hip hop. Later on, he did a bunch of hip hop stuff. Mm -hmm. And he would sit down on any instrument. Piano, drums. He played everything. Saxophone, whatever. And he changed the sound of drums in the 80s forever. Not probably the thing I dislike about Prince, some of Prince's mm-hmm. stuff is the way that the drum sounded, but for the time, it yeah, was cutting it was the, edge. It was the 80s. So he produced the albums himself. He was pioneering overall, and he also created something called the Minneapolis Sound, which kind of gave us that whole 80s synth funk. And even we were talking about Parliament earlier, they completely conformed to what Prince was doing after Prince came out. Mm-hmm. All the funk bands started doing synth funk yeah. versus in the 70s where it was really based on like old R, old school R&B based Actual guitar. instruments. Yeah. Not that yeah. the synth is not an instrument, but... but everybody adopted like, oh, yeah. that that's awesome. So yeah. we're going to change everything we do. I mean, every band. They went from having 10 people on the stage to three. Exactly. Yeah. And it was all synth driven. So if you don't know what synth funk is, I mean, it's basically funk where the synthesizers have replaced the horn sections. So where you would have trumpets and saxophones in the past, now you have synths. It's very polished. A lot of times the drums or electronic drums or programmed drums and even the bass guitar kind of took a step back. Whereas you think of funk, you think of bass it guitar. It leads those songs, yeah. But the synth pop, you had the synthesizers also doing the bass. So the bass guitar and the, and the synthesizer were kind of doubling parts. And it was kind of robotic, but very dancey. And it kind of, it was the evolution that gave us a lot of the electronic music as well. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you what your history of Prince was. You've already given I it told to me. You that, now, my history with Prince is even though I'm a rock and punk and metal guy, and I think a lot of rock and punk and metal guys will say this, he was like the one pop artist that we all were like, I it's, don't like pop, but it's, it's that cool guy's like badass. Yeah, it was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, you can like you can like Prince. It's yeah. all good. That guy is a badass. If, if you were to say, hey, I love Belle Bib De- DeVoe or somebody like that, <laughs> Sonny Pooney does, but does, yeah. he's allowed to, I guess. Yeah. We, we'll give him that. Yeah, he also loves Prince, but I i mean, songwriter, just the badass guitar, like, badass even if you're guitar. only into metal and rock, like, you hear God. Prince play guitar, you're like, 
Look it up. There's a live version of Purple Rain. Oh, I used to even know the stadium. First of all, I had no idea until after he died that Purple Rain was a live recording. It's a live recording. Oh, yeah. They came he, in and he added did that the often. ending. Yeah, he did that often. But where the, he would record but, it and then go and overdub some, some little parts embellishment at the end because he, he didn't like the way it faded out. It was so good. It's so amazing. Then you think, wait a minute. This is live. This is recorded in one take, what he did. But there's versions of that song that he does in concert. They're like 15 minutes long and it's just moving. It starts off and it just builds slowly, slowly builds. And then he just gets in there and just lets loose with some unbelievable shredding. And that's why the rock, punk and metal guys are like, oh, no, he's cool. He's He's cool. 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 I I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's awesome. So that's kind of what what you just described. That was the Minneapolis sound. And a lot of the reason it was called the Minneapolis sound, obviously Prince was from Minneapolis, but Mm -hmm. also because he started so many bands in that area where he kind of did everything and put their name on it. Yeah. Like, he just had so much output. Was that Morse Day in the time? Time was probably the, the one that most people know. We're going to cover a few more today. Nice. See ya. So that's what we're doing. Get in my wheelhouse here. And that's what we're doing. We are going to play some bands that some may consider synth funk, some may consider 80s R&B, but it all is rock flavored and influenced. Mm-hmm. So some of these, you I don't know. Maybe you know all of them. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if, if I you throw know, you. You know that's not true. So let's kick it off with a band that I only recently discovered, and I discovered it via the interwebs, thanks to our friend Baco at Cobras and Fire. That guy. That guy. And he should know a thing or two about the Minneapolis sound. He lives there. So he posted, and he's, he's done this every once in a while. He'll go on the Cobras on Fire Facebook group if you want to join that, Cobras on Fire. Thank you, I am. What the hell did you just say? What are you talking about, man? Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm telling the people. Oh, oh, I'm telling, telling me. I was like, dude, no, I'm no. a charter member, man. I got, the, <laughs> I got the little button they sent out. But every once in a while, he'll post a gamer lame, and he'll put up a video, and he wants to yeah. know, is it gamer lame? And he posted this one, and I'm like, I've never heard of this. What is this? And oh. I could tell from the video from the little screen capture that it was from the 80s. It was obvious to me. And it was a band called Roachford. Mm, no, and I was see. like, I don't, I don't know who that is. And so I clicked on it. A horrible name. It's... Was the guy's last name? It has a horrible name for a band, though. Roachford. Yeah, maybe it's pronounced Roachford. It looks like Roachford. That's what we're gonna say. (laughs) So I clicked it and listened to it, and then I tagged it as game, and then I proceeded to download the album. Very much game, then. Yeah, yeah. Baco, you gave me a good one. It's got Prince vibes. It has Urban Dance Squad kind of vibes. We've played them before on one of these episodes. So it's a British band whose singer, the namesake of, mm. of Roachford. How is it spelled? Like Roach and Ford. One word. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll I'll let, go I'll with let, Roachford. I'll let it go, yeah. Okay. English people are weird. Now this guy happens to be appointed a member of the Order of the British Empire. So this is not an obscure band. Is that like Darth Vader, but British? I think so. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. He's an MBE. But I guess that means that they're not obscure at all in the UK where they're from but Probably here not. in the states i don't know maybe he you know invented some type of you know alternative to penicillin and you know got, got <laughs> no, i'm pretty sure it's because of the music oh okay yeah 2019 it was a service to music so that's why oh, he got that. okay yeah in 1988 they were touring with terrence trent darby oh, remember that man, name yes one and done yeah do, and do, we're do, do. <laughs> oh god that's stuck in my head now <laughs> and they were offered a seven album recording contract with columbia based on their performance that i guess was seen by yeah. somebody at columbia and they had a string of successes throughout the 90s in the uk 
in fact, they were Columbia's biggest selling UK act for 10 years. Yeah. They, How do we not know them? I, I don't know. I, I really, I only heard of them two weeks ago. I'll have to listen to some of their music, see if it sounds familiar. Well, you're about to. Okay. <laughs> More than just the one, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll so, check it out. As a band, Roachford released four albums. Two of them were British gold albums. In Australia, they had a double platinum album. So I bet Elvin knows about these yeah, guys. that means everybody in Australia bought that. And then Andrew Roachford went solo in 2003, and he's been solo ever since. But again, not on my radar. Mm. I mean... Are they, would you consider them rock or punk or metal? Probably not, but they're definitely funk, rock, R&B. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's rock in here. They had real instruments. This was not, you know, DJs and just electronic. But in his other thing that he's done, in 2010, he joined Mike and the Mechanics as one of the singers. That'd be a fun gig. Which I didn't know that they had co-singers. I guess that's something... If you don't know, Mike and the Mechanics is Mike Ma- Rutherford from yeah. Genesis. But it, his voice might have been aging... Needed another well, voice Well, he, he played guitar in that group. I but don't know if... I can't I remember, remember if he sang this, or yeah, not. Yeah, I can't remember either. I never really got into them. I'd have Is to go back and broken wings? Attention. Take these broken wings. No. He got away. Uh-oh, I don't think so. I don't know. We'll have anyway, to look that up. No, we whatever, should know that. What are the, if they sang that song, I got into that one song. That was it. Well, let's hear some Roachford. This is a song called Give It Up from the debut album that came out in 1988. Come on, baby, give it up and leave it up to 
So that's good. And my hypothesis that I've come up with during that song as to why they might not have broken it big here in the States is because radio, Top 40 radio, was absolutely saturated with that music. With that kind of stuff, yeah. Almost, I mean, every the Pointer Sisters had a string of hits mm. that sounded like that. I mean, Lionel Rich, every, you name any... Uh, but he had some definite, like, guitar stabs in there, and there was no, like, a little I, more rock Right, I'm not saying this is pop, pure pop, but I'm just saying this gets thrown in with that because right, it would at have the been time, put into that, yeah. Top 40 was being, there was a, a battle between this and hair bands. Yeah. They were very popular, and on the Top 40, they would struggle to say, well, which direction are we going? When it's 1988, yeah. so he's, this band is not hard enough to be considered like Living Color, right. where they crossed over. Right, right, exactly. But they weren't as poppy as maybe, like I said, Lionel right. Richie or any right. any 5,000 other artists. Tina Turner. And later on, not just a few years later, kind of like grunge took over metal or, you know, move hair bands away, hip-hop came in and just took over pop music where that became the influence. The other thing is, I mean, this is like an old-school R&B rock band. Like, they're a true rock R&B mm. mix. And in 1988, that was starting to go out of fashion because mm. all of the R&B groups after that were like vocal groups. If yeah. you think about the 90s, the, R&B, there were no more the R&B artists playing the their instruments. You're, you're right. It became boys the people standing out and, front. It doing was, dances and choreographed. They had a DJ or yeah. they just played tracks That's or whatever, or they just too. hired a band. 88 was the end of that This era. was a band. Yeah. But so. you go from 82 to 88, it was this right here. Yeah. It's the last hurrah for R&B mm. bands for the most part. But there's a lot of 70s musicians that came back and kind of reinvented themselves for the R&B side. Yeah. But then, yeah, we had this transition from 88 on to the hip hop or, like you said, the the yeah, singer, the, the, what do you call them? The sh- the the group, the vocal group, group vocal groups, R and B, R and B. Yeah, that shifted, and then of course, like I said, hip hop dominated top still forty. Does. Still does to <laughs> all the twenty five, yeah, thirty is, years later. Yeah, yeah. And even if it's not hip hop, you listen to country music. That's got hip hop elements in it. Mm-hmm. it. Like you never would have thought country music and hip hop would be merged. And now you listen to bad country and it, horrible, god awful country, and it's the same shit. Every song is so formulaic. We've got a friend in Nashville that apparently is paid to help these guys write music, she needs to get more recognition because <laughs> the stuff she writes is not like that dribble. Right, right. Well, you know, whatever gets played on the radio, I guess. Yeah. It's always I'm been the case. i soapbox now. It's always been the case. Whatever the formula yeah, so is and what it works, that's what they're going to do. That was Exploit a it. nice time warp of 1988. It's 1988. We're that gonna, sounded just like 1988. We're going to hit a couple of these. So we're going to go to another 1988 release. I mentioned Living Color. So the other there was another band kind of similar to Living Color around the same time that we're kind of giving them uh, a little competition. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about 24-7 Spies. We've co- talked about them. It's not Fishbone. There was a group, and it's a band that we've played before. Last time we played them, was in one of your birthday episodes where we played covers of Pink Floyd. Yeah. And this band did a kind of funk metal rock version of Money that they put out in the early and 90s. Mo- Money's got a funky bass line it's funky, to it. So it made sense. Yeah. I discovered this band. This is kind of a uh, Kind of embarrassing, I guess. I discovered this band on a pack of rock cards <laughs> that I bought in 1991. I was a freshman in college. Did I it was, have bubblegum? I was at a brickstore <laughs> buying my textbooks. That's back when you actually bought textbooks. Yep. And, and they got very just expensive. completely screwed every time you had to sell them back then. Oh my God, they were so expensive. And this particular bookstore happened to have like comics. And, and I was kind of starting to get back in, into that mm. a little bit. And they also had like collectibles. And 
they had these rock cards. I think they only made them in 1991, perhaps. And I picked up a pack and it had like Motley Crue and whatever the flavor was in 1991. Like Guns N' Roses. Cards, like baseball but cards, but, but they had band pictures oh on them. So dorky. Such a nerd. And yeah, and they had this band and I'm like, who the hell is Dan Reed Network? It's a it's a networking group <laughs> like, based like out of every Sioux other Falls, band Iowa. I had, every other band I had heard of, and then there was the Dan Reed Network in my pack of rock cars. I'm like, this I have no idea who that is. Unbanned sounding name. That is yeah. marketing one on one. Like, should have just gone with the network. Yeah. That probably would have been better. We but. have an email list we send out to businesses in your area. So I could have sworn, and I think I said this last time we talked about the Dan Reed Network, I could have sworn that I read somewhere at that time, maybe it was on the rock card itself, that they had funded their band because Dan Reed won the lottery in Oregon or wherever they're from. I think it's Oregon. But I can't find anything now to substantiate that claim. So (laughs) I don't don't know where I got that from. So what you're saying is the band made up their backstory in order to make themselves... We would have never done that. We were very honest about our I'm not saying they made up their backstory I'm saying that's what I thought I read (laughs) that's what I thought I in my memory yeah which is maybe not so good apparently because better than mine I can't find it but anyway this band actually signed to Mercury in 1987 by Derek Shulman who's the guy that was in Gentle Giant back in the day, but he signed Bon Jovi, he signed Cinderella, all the 80s hair metal bands he signed. This band was managed by Bill Graham at one point, and then they were managed by Q Prime. So like they had a lot of clout behind wow. them. They toured, their first album comes out in 88. They toured in 88 with Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, and the Rolling Stones. All stadiums, all, big stadium shows. All bands at the height of yeah. their 80s success. In 1988. I mean, Stones have been at their height for what? Yeah, but they had like an amazing comeback tour, the Steel Wheels tour. Oh, that's right. What's going on? They did have a comeback. And yet we don't really know who the Dan Reed Network are. Wow. Isn't that crazy to have that much behind you? Silver platter, man. They had right there in front of them. Three albums from 88 to 91. They've had three more in the past couple of years. They kind of got back together, but they were a... Unlike Living Color, who were more street, rawer, you know, they were schooled musicians, Living Color were, but they yeah. they still kind of sounded tough and mean. These guys they didn't tried look to it. balance. They didn't look it. You don't think they look tough in their body glove? In the body glove, <laughs> shorty shorts. <laughs> well, this... to, I mean, I'm not saying they couldn't whip my ass nine ways to Sunday. I'm just saying appearances <laughs> are one thing. Well, they sounded tough. They sounded badass. They sounded Absolutely. badass. They still do. No question about that. Dan Reed Network tried to, I think, take exactly what we were talking about with Prince, what Prince had done, mm. and combine it with the hair metal rock that oh. was going on and like balance it versus living color that was a little more on the metal Metal, harder edge side so that could have something to do with why it didn't quite go over because maybe it was just a little too on the nose of we're r&b yet we're rock but we're r&b but we're Mm. rock but it's cool stuff i like it it just didn't work out for them i'm gonna play a song from the 1988 debut called baby don't fade We made love in a cheap motel Seemed kind of crazy meeting every night Things like that, that 
definitely hear the Prince. In that oh, one. yeah. Just in the vocals. Ow, 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 yeah, ow. that. Isn't the, the quieter parts of the song, and then it would flip a switch, and all of a sudden it's a hairband, yeah. or, you know, more the metal side, then back to funky. You know. the, the guitars, uh, like, were super funky, like, yeah. very much in the 70s funk style. Yeah. Like, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you'd have these, like, uh, 80s shred parts. shreddy things. Going How on. would that have gone over? Let's just. Def Leppard. They opened it for Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. So in 1988, not now. Now it's a bunch of housewives and you know old dudes. But in 1988, their fan base there was a little more. They, more that was women. so poppy though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At that concert with hysteria. More women, they would get classified on top 40 almost versus just oh hair bands. Def Leppard. Yeah, yeah, they were. I mean, they were a pop band at that so, point. All the metal heads had kind of yeah, abandoned. Exactly that. by '88. So that's what I'm saying. For that concert, I think this would go over pretty I, well. I would have thought so. It's not like it's Def Leppard 1984, where it was more metalheads embracing him at that point. Right. I was thinking about what we talked about with who they toured with. They toured with the Rolling Stones in around the same time. Do you remember do you did you go see the Stones oh, no. in eighty nine no, or that was old people music. We've talked no? about this. Oh man. It I, might as well have been the Beatles. I everybody like, wanted to go see the Stones. No, but, a bunch of old people listen to that crap. They came to Clemson. This is before I, I went to school. I was in high yeah. school when they came. And guess who the opening band was? It wasn't Dan Reed Network. Oh. Living Color. And I wanted to go so badly because Living Color were opening. Yeah. Rolling Stones, whatever. You'll you'll. Sit, well, I like this. I was just getting that. into them. Yeah. Steel, Steel Wheels tour is what got me into the Stones yeah. only because Living Color were opening for them. Yeah. That I would go see for the opening band too. And not to, I'm not hating on the Stones or anything. I just... Never got into them. Not mm. that that's no reflection on the band. They're an amazing band. Obviously, been around for seventy five years. Oh my god, they're doing all this marketing right now for, a, for their a new album, live not uh, studio album. First it, one in twenty something. Talking years. about yeah, trying to sell sex at eighty years old. <laughs> Mick Jagger, <laughs> bless his heart though. Great. I mean, hats off. I would trade. Oh my god. Dude. I would trade places in a heartbeat with him. It's just for some reason the timing wasn't right for me, and I never went back like you did. Oh yeah, and I love him. Got love reacquainted him. with him. I still got time. Maybe you know. You should. You should really. I mean, if nothing else, just go listen to X on Main Street. Just yeah. give it one spin and see if it does anything for you. It's so good. Anyway, Dan Reed Network. I don't know why with everything they had behind them that that didn't pan out but at least a minor music, a minor hit something to yeah. remember them by that sounds like they had everything at the right time but yet here we are talking about them on our show but i still like them i still have all three of those original albums yeah. i haven't heard the newer stuff i should probably dig in but just haven't had time to get to it but let's move on to the minneapolis sound we've talked about it let's play a little bit and we're going to play a seven piece that included the former Prince in the Revolution bass player, Mark Brown, who would go by Brown Mark. Of course. That's of course, what you do. That's what you do. You just flip it. Yep. And this band's name, I'm surprised you aren't their biggest fan because this, this band's name is Maserati. <laughs> Come on, how did they change the spelling? M-A-Z-A-R-A-T-I. Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> left out some letters from the Italian company. Maserati. Like 22 vowels in that one. And if you go... Do a little Googleage on them and look at their images. You will see that they could almost be considered a Japanese visual K band. Ooh. They had a, they took Prince's look and uh. like exploded it. <laughs> and they had, you know, white guys, black guys, and they all like looked like the Japanese visual K guys. So yeah. it's like crazy that makeup hair, and hair everywhere. Hair. Just, I mean, so much hair. Studs. On and all these guys. And grommets and. 
sequins. And, Wearing like ladies' blouses and jackets with big shoulder pads yeah. and just, you know, uh, just the crazy stuff that Prince kind of started these guys. Yeah, I've never been able to pull that off. I've tried. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think the that shoulder would work pads, for me. Just, no. No, it makes my neck look weird. <laughs> now, they were totally connected to Prince. Not only are they from Minneapolis, not only is Brown Mark the leader of this band, but he also wrote the only hit song they had and probably is the one who performed on it and did everything did and all just the put their name on it. Billy Corgan style. <laughs> exactly. So that song is called 100 Miles Per Hour so, and it was a semi-hit. Yeah. Uh, co-produced by Prince as well. He also, Prince gave them a couple of songs, but then he took them back. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, he gave him a couple of pretty good songs that he regifted to other groups and to himself. Mainly one that he gave them that they did a demo for and Prince heard it and went, eh, maybe not. I'm, I'm going to take that song back. Maybe not. I'm sorry, what was that, Prince? I'm going to take that song back. What, Prince? Give me that song Give back. Give me that song. Just put it, put it on the table there and walk away. And the name of that song is... Um, There's your kiss connection. He just woke up the dog, man. He was over there minding his own business. Yeah. So he gave this band the song Kiss. They did a demo. They were going to put it on their album. Oh, no. And Prince came in and went, "Mm, give me that song back, please. (laughs) And Prince took it back. He reworked it and got a number one and a Grammy. (laughs) (laughs) Those guys are just sitting there going, son of a bitch. And they're like, damn it. He's like, don't. He's like, don't worry. I got another song for you. Sorry, what was that, Prince? Don't worry. I got another. So he gave him another song. This song was called Jerk Out. Jerk Out. And then he's like, I need that song back. What, Prince? Give me that song back. So he took that song back and he gave it to the time. And that became their biggest hit they've ever had. Jerk Out. What? Look it up. Dump him. I wish she would, because I think he is so cute. Girl, please. Do you think he would go out with me? Here he comes. Band. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just a thing, but, you know, if I see something that I like, it's, uh, I have to go for it. And I like what I see, baby. Uh, come here. I got a billboard on a Friday night. I couldn't find a damn thing to do. So I pulled out a suit about the same color as my BMW. I drove to the party and I stepped on in just to see what I could see. Everybody knew what I was looking for. I was looking for some company. That's right. bird that no. was bigger than the bird this song was big from a singles a selling is that the single, name of the song you know what i'm talking out. about yeah yeah i know what the you're bird? talking about yeah, yeah. Yes. hold on now this dance ain't for everybody just the sexy people white folks you're not too tight you gotta shake your hand like a black folk you might get something This was the big one. Jerk them. Out. Yeah, Jerk Out. I don't know if I don't know one. This band only had two albums. Jerk, 86. No, there was a 90s band, but Jerk It Out. What the hell did you just say? Jerk It Out? Yeah. Uh, 
It's a one-hit wonder in the 90s. Look it up. Look it up. And you jerk it out. I'm serious. It was, I don't know the name of the band, but that was the name of the song. It was the Jerky Boys. That was different. Hello? Yeah? Pablo, honey? Yeah? Please, honey, come down to Florida. Huh? Come to Florida, honey. We miss you. Yeah, who's this? Pablo, honey? <laughs> so Maserati, two albums, 86, 89. Their second album, only released in Canada. They apparently did okay in Canada. Oh, yeah. Once you find your niche, go for it. Uh, well, you know, Minneapolis, not too it's far. It's right away. over the border. Yeah. So, I, you know, they probably could have been a lot bigger had those two songs <laughs> remained in their catalog. You know, you think about it, but I would like to hear the demo before I make that statement because maybe their demo just sucked. And Prince's version, I mean, you look at Sinead O'Connor's uh Nothing compares to you. Prince did a version of it, and Sinead did a version of we it. We might be talking about that a little bit later, okay. too. We'll, just, we'll wait for that, then. Yeah, we'll wait for that. Hold, hold, please. Hold, please. Hold that thought. Yeah. Yeah, so Maserati, I think what it was is the Minneapolis sound, Prince had so much output that he's basically writing and producing and doing all of these Prince songs for all these other bands, creating all these other bands. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I think it was overwhelming. I think he just kind of flooded the market, and what's going to sell is Prince's name. That's if it sounds like it. Prince, and yeah. it's not Prince's name, then so, well, I'm just going to go listen to Prince because these guys like, probably feel better at least that knowing that it's not that they would have had a hit. Yeah, they might have had a hit, but probably. I think it was almost overkill with yeah. you know how much stuff he was putting out. But hey, you, you got the gift; you got to get it out there, yeah. right? So let's hear a little Maserati. This is from their debut album in 1986. This was a single called Stroke.
jerk it, the stroke, the Billy Squire stroking, just a lot of stuff was going on in the 80s that I don't know about. They were getting it all out. Getting it all out there. It was very open and <laughs> forward in those days. We talked yeah. about stuff like that. They not were handymen. Like, not like today. They're handy, handymen. Handy handymen, yes, very handy. Yeah, that was obviously had prints all over it. He just got himself so all over prints. the place. Yeah. Just rubbed yeah, he himself on all the over drums, that rubbed, it over, rubbed himself on the guitar. That guitar chucking, you know, yeah. that, that chucking style. To- I, I, Rogers I wouldn't be surprised if it was him. I was like, just give me that. That's, it's so. Just hand me that guitar. Perfectly me, done, print hit, style. You hit the tracks. Let's get Pretty this out sure of the way. Pretty sure it was Prince. Yeah, it's going to take you two hours to get this right. Let me just do it for you once. Mm-mm-mm. Great stuff, and yeah, oh, yeah, maybe not quite as rock as some of the Prince stuff, yeah. but still, go look these guys up. They looked like a Visual K, like a metal rock kind of look, and mm-hmm. then they were playing this. You know the you know the best crazy thing synth pop to come, punk, to come punk. out of Prince. What Apollonia? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Sheila E. She's nice too, but Apollonia. Apollonia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Think about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate. Mm, yeah. Anyway, back to Prince. Okay. Well, and still staying on the Prince trip here. Next, we're going to play a punk rock band who are legends. And I've always loved this band. We've never played them on the show before. And they were originally formed in D.C. in 1976. So you're probably like, where are you going with this one? They were basically the inventors of hardcore punk, the sound, the movement. And especially when they moved to New York City in 1980, I'm talking about Bad Brains. Yes, we've heard of that. And they happen to be jazz musicians who loved punk, but they mixed in half the amounts of reggae, funk, soul, and metal into their music. Mm. And they basically, like I said, they created hardcore punk. They played so well and so fast that everybody wanted to try to emulate them, and nobody got close ever. Amazing musicians. But by 1986, they were experimenting a little bit more because they had done their things. You get bored. For, you know, for 10 things. years, right? So they... Playing a little more metal, playing a little more funk, and they gave us an album called I Against I in 1986. This was my introduction to Bad Brains. Mm. And it's more metal, it's more funk, and I'm pretty sure they were listening or digging on some prints at the time because listening to it now, knowing all of their albums, especially up to this point, Mm -hmm. this is very different than any of the punk stuff they had done before then. And it's still them. It's still Bad Brains, but very much influenced, I think, by what was going on in the scene. A little less reggae than some of their earlier stuff and later stuff. They're more of a reggae band now than Mm -hmm. they are a punk band almost. But they have nine albums from 82 to 2012. They're still sort of active. They're still out there. An amazing band. This is a band that should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they, they created something and they did it on their own and they don't get any credit. Amazing band. A lot of people know the name, but they don't know the music. Right. Kind of like the Ramones. You see Bad Brains. Who? But yeah, those guys too. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to play this song, Secret 77 from Eye Against Eye 1986. Oh, yeah. 
you did there kevin williams hmm. you just snuck in a sample of goth funk <laughs> as a precursor to what's coming up in uh, a couple of weeks goth tober yeah preview that really was, huh. was i never thought about that. goth funk yeah, i never thought funk, that you yeah. could put those two together next they're gonna put chocolate and peanut butter in the same that'll piece never of happen no, no it's horrible it can't possibly taste good never sell so that was bad idea great goth funk yeah that was good. I thought you might like that. That whole album, awesome. Not very similar to the albums prior to it, though. Oh. Like, it's it's a departure, and they right. never quite got back to this. It's one of the albums that critics now say, you know, is like a must-have album. Mm-hmm. But, but back the time, in the day... They expected no. more of the 
hard yeah. fast punk. Yeah, so, which now I've got to go it. listen to that because I can't imagine them playing. Like, oh man, hard. Just go put punk. on the track "Sail On." Yeah, yeah. Put in "Bad Brain Sail On." And, okay. Oh, amazing, it's really fun. amazing stuff. I've gone the other way. Most people started off with the hardcore stuff and then got upset with the yeah. More well, I, I went stuff. backwards. I went from here. You went back. Okay, yeah. so I'll so, do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, check it out. Bad Brains, amazing band. Okay, our next group gave us Mr. Doug Wimbush, who most people know, if you know Living Color, he replaced Muzz Skillings. He, that was the original bass player in, mm-hmm. in Living Color was Muzz. He left the group after the second album, like right before the tour, I think, somewhere around there in the early 90s. Right before they got big? No, they were big. Oh, still, no, their second, first album first album was what they blew I, up that's on. That's right. I forgot it was the first one. But they were, they were a big band, and Muzz just decided he, he wasn't into it anymore, yeah. and he decided to go back to being a fireman, I think. And um, and I didn't know him. I knew he was somebody important, but I didn't know where he came from. We're going to play the band that he came from, which mm-hmm. the reason I didn't know it is because it's described as industrial hip-hop, which mm. sounds it, weird. You're not selling it very well for I me know. right there. I know. And I, I had never gone out and listened to this group. Yeah. They're called Tack Head. I knew that he came from them, but when I heard about them, I'm like, oh, it's probably not going to be my thing. You hear things like fusion of funk and dub and industrial music, electronica, but this is in the 80s. So it's not quite what we think of as industrial mm. that came later in the mm. 90s. I know that- Ministry. Yeah. I know that Ministry and the Nine Inch Nails started in the late 80s, and that's when this came out as well, but yeah. it's it has a more organic feel to it than maybe what you're thinking of if you mm-hmm. think of a 90s industrial it got very stagnant to me it was it's kind of, sometimes it's kind of hard to listen to industrial stuff sometimes yeah, most of the times yeah thank you yeah now when i read this like a little bit about them i got a little more appreciation for what we're about to hear and i think you will too because in the 1970s all the guys in this band tackhead were members of Sugar Hill Records. They were the house band for the original hip-hop artists that came out of New York, Sugar Hill Gang, Grandmaster Flash. This was the band behind, because back in those days, you didn't just have the DJs, right? You you didn't just have, you had your MCs, but you had a band behind it. And so these were the guys behind that. Mel Mel, all of that stuff coming out of New York that created hip-hop, basically. So I was like, okay, let's check these guys out. Mostly instrumental. A lot of um, it was very eighties to put in like these. I don't know what you call them. Do you remember Max Hedrum from the eighties? Yes. This is Max Hedrum, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to a trailer to one of the greatest epics ever produced in the history of television. And there's more, because you are going to see it as well. Yes, it. Yes, it. Yes, namely. The Max Hedrum's dream story. <gasps> and afterwards, that is directly following, I want to talk to you about something even bigger. Namely, my, my Max Hedrum. So! Sit back. Relax. And enjoy. <laughs> Those kinds of samples where you do a lot of like, whatever, kind of like record scratching, but it wasn't record scratching because they're samples. It's electronic Electronic, I don't know what. Stutter scratch. There's probably some name for that. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never thought of what you call that. Yeah, but it's, anyway, they would put stuff like that. The first early sampling. Yeah, so they would put stuff like that in their songs until they finally got a lead singer. Who stuttered. Right. And they just did that live. Yeah, and it was so much easier. Yeah. More effective. But anyway, they got a real singer and then they put out an album that was not just instrumental and had some singing on it, but it's just whacked out crazy stuff. And when I just typed in Google, I got a list of top 80s 
funk rock. Mm-hmm. I just typed that in, and Tackhead on one of these lists was listed number one over the Fishbones, the Living Color, twenty four seven, and so another reason to check them out. So let's see what you think. They only released three albums, eighty seven to ninety, because Wimbish left to become the bass player in Living Color in nineteen ninety two, and he's been there ever since. So here's Tackhead with Mind and Movement from the album Friendly as a Hand Grenade. <clears throat>
Yeah. Perfect timing when I'm climbing on my rhyming apparatus. <laughs> DJ cuts girls move their butts. Stole a little something from the Beastie Boys there at the end, didn't they? That was from DMC. Beastie Boys too, oh, right? Well, I'm DMC first and then Beastie Boys second. It was, must have been a New York groove. Oh, yeah. They're just ding, 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 Wait, ding, New York ding, groove. Ding. Who hmm. was it that did something like that? Sinatra? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, uh, Thank you. Kiss! There's our second, second kiss one. connection. With, Once again. In a funk show. And the second time you woke the dog up. Uh, I'm sorry, Both dog times dog. he's just chilling in his beanbag and he's like, damn it, I got to come over here and see what's going on. He's <laughs> like, was that a kiss connection? Did yeah. I miss it? He loves the kiss connections. He comes right over here when you do that. <laughs> Interesting, right? It was yeah. like uh, uh, Max Hedrum Funk. Well, once again, that <laughs> should be in a time capsule. Like, this is what the 80s sounded like. 1989. It had all different things. I mean, towards from 85 until 91-ish, yeah. it was a fad to put in snippets of politicians, Reagan, Bush, oh, Kennedy, yeah. and then- It wasn't Bush. It was just, uh, uh, I guess it was Bush, but- the first, The first one. Not well. He was not Nebia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, who was it they used though a lot? Uh, other than Reagan, oh Thatcher. Thatcher, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had uh, songs like Na 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 Nineteen, Na Na Nineteen, where they used like <laughs> Falco news reports. Was that and, Falco? Yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah, I think so. Amadeus, Amadeus. Yeah. Amadeus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Amadeus, 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 Amadeus. <laughs> I had to ruin every song. I, you know, I, I would come up with the worst lyric and then sing it, and then people would look at you like, you asshole. Now mm. that's all I think about. The best Austrian yeah, export the, they ever had. That's all they had. So yeah, oh, the man. snippets from Spock, Pure Energy. Dun, 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 dun. Right. So yeah, you could go through all these songs that, that I mean, The Living Color, I was Kennedy at the end of that. That was been in many It songs. must have been a really a big New York thing, because a lot, every band we've just named, a lot of them all New York based. So yeah. it must have just been like a, a New York thing. And even Living Color, when they got Doug Wimbish for the third album, Stained, they brought in some of these elements mm-hmm. more so oh, yeah. than they, were they had before. So I guess Doug brought that with I mean, them. But just cool, man. Yeah, Pink Floyd used sound bites and stuff, but they weren't known. They would get recordings of people and then weave that into their songs. They weren't using, I guess, uh, Final Cut. Did they have any, I'll have to come back and think about that. If they have any samples on that from... Yeah, I think there might be some there. He talked about it. I don't know if there are actual cuts. Anyway. But, but this 80s flavor, it was like a repetition where yeah. you had a, like a stutter. You exactly. repeat the same piece, just They're a little played it through a keyboard and then did it. I guess. I don't think this is DJing on a record. Maybe it is, yeah. but most of those sound bites, I wouldn't think would be but that is similar theme I'm, I'm to over these songs, my yeah. uh, what i know about but that DJ. one like i said that had more snippets and samples of things you would have heard from 85 until yeah. 90 91 exactly but very cool stuff just that, out the there. guitar work in that it just i wish it had a little bit more of the jammy stuff overlaid with that run dmc and that yeah. more of the hip-hop sound heavy on the drums yeah the Program drums. Program. Okay, we're going to talk about a guy that uh, you've already made fun of in this episode. <laughs> you got to narrow that down. <laughs> this is an artist that achieved major stardom with his first album in 1987, and then he fell hard, hard, hard into obscurity afterwards. Oh, yes, sorry, Mr. D.R.B. He, he resides in the land of the forgotten, which is why we're able to play him, even yes. though he had major success. It yes, we're big. talking about Terrence Trent D'Arby. He was the new prince. He was the new this. He, he was, was the new that. I mean, every comparison you can make to somebody, they said he was the new that. Now, do you know anything about his past? Not a damn thing i'm okay. happy about that all right so here's a little knowledge for you so he was a golden gloves 
lightweight champion in Florida. Actually, I like him a lot. He's a great guy. <laughs> Just in case I run into him and he well, punches the hell out of me. Then he joined the U.S. Army in the early 80s, but he was court-martialed <laughs> and dishonorably discharged <laughs> for absence without leave while hey, he was in wall. Germany. Oh, yeah, having some fun. Go out for a night on town. And the reason he didn't show up to the base is he was in a band called The Touch in Germany, and he was all about doing his band. Oh, he, he, just he like, didn't want to show to up for... To- yeah, I don't need to do soldiering today. And you know, the army in 1984 was not very exciting. It was, yeah. you know, sitting around a military. I know my cousin was in the army at that same time, and he talks about. It. He's like, yeah, we kind of just sat around this warehouse. And, well, you, you saw know. stripes. That's all that was going on. <laughs> exactly, a couple RVs <laughs> attack you. This is before the exciting times that we're in now. Yeah, yeah, it was just it wasn't exciting. It was just the Cold War. Yeah, we were just, just constant around. fear. Well, of you being knew there's not going to be an actual battle. There'll be like, no fighting. It's going to be over with. So what yeah. the hell? Just sit around and drink beer. Just a whiteout. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here right now, and now I'm not. Yeah. So the Touch was his band in Germany. They released an album in 1984, and then. That didn't quite work out. You know, he had a little issue with the army, and so he moved to London. And when he was in London, he got signed to CBS. And by 87, he released that first album. That first album won, I believe, multiple Grammys uh, in the category of Best R&B Vocal Performance. Uh, It won a Brit Award. It was an international breakthrough. Mm -hmm. Huge hit. Uh, I think he even got like a Soul Train. He, he was crossing over. Oh yeah, it was, um, it was top forty. It was R and B. It was top forty. It was you know it was rock even. He had he had rock. Yeah, pretty amazing. He had let's see here. Was it Wishing Well, that was the name of it. Wishing it? Well was one. He had um, If You Let Me Stay, Wishing Well, Dance Little Sister, Sign Your Name. Oh and yeah, Rain. Sign those two. I only remember two. All of those were hits off that one album. And then nothing. He decided. Well, let me just tell you how right. big this album was. Let, it was me big. Just, let me just throw this here. He sold. So in Canada, double platinum. Finland, gold. France, platinum. Germany, platinum. Netherlands, triple platinum. New Zealand, platinum. Spain, platinum. Sweden, Switzerland, double platinum. Five times platinum in the UK. Only gold in the US. Interesting. That's that is weird. Yeah. Uh, oh wait, I'm wrong. <laughs> but wait, I'm wrong. There's more. Gold on his videos. Oh. He got gold for videos. Double platinum in the U.S. That the makes album. more sense because yeah. it was huge. I didn't even know they gave awards for videos. For videos. I'm just looking at these awards. I'm like, wait a minute. How can he just have gold? No, double platinum. Yeah, that's so, like every hour on the hour MTV. Big. This yeah. guy was big. And then his second album... <sighs> Was considered a flop, although it sold what millions of copies. Exactly, you look at yeah. it, it's like eh, it's not. It really was the Hootie flop. and the Blowfish syndrome, where their first album was so friggin' huge. They at least had the attitude. They said immediately, "They're like, we're never going to top this. We're just going to, you know, do what we want to do from now on." And then, and then we're going to go away. Go away. And Darius can just do his solo. Thing. Yeah, and Burger King commercials. <laughs> <laughs> When my belly starts a rumbling uh, and I'm jonesing for a treat, I close my eyes for a big surprise, the tender crisp bacon cheddar ranch. I love the tender crisp bacon cheddar ranch, the best they grow on trees, and streams of bacon ranch dressing flow right up to your knees. Yeah, so it wasn't quite a flop. It went gold in Canada, it went platinum in Spain, and even went gold in the UK didn't do so well in the U.S. So it was considered a a major flop from the height 
of his success. He released two more albums, 93 and 95. Didn't really do anything. I don't Mm. think anybody knew that they were even out. And then he kind of disappeared a while until he resurfaced briefly as the new singer for NXS. I don't remember that at all. It didn't last long. Oh, okay. I don't think they released an album. I think he did some shows, and I guess it didn't work out. And then Terrence Trent Darby ceased to exist. As he he died? No. Oh. He changed, I didn't know this, he changed his name to Sananda Matria, or Matreya. I I don't even know how to pronounce it. In 2001, he changed his name, and he explained it by Terrence Trent Darby was dead. Um, He said that after intense pain, he meditated and a spirit gave him the name in a dream. Mm-hmm. So he tried a little bit of what we do, how we get our, our themes every week. Peyote? So, you know, he tried that? Exactly. That's, 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 that's how we that's do That's where it came from. That wasn't meditation. That yeah. was and with his organic. new name, Sananda has released eight albums. <laughs> like, did did, we did know, you know? <laughs> Cat Stevens did the same thing. He changed yeah. his name and just kept going. From 2005 to 2021, yeah. he's released eight albums, and none of them have charted, done anything. Okay, so what do you think? Record companies suck, and usually your first album, you don't make a lot of money because you're paying back a lot of stuff. But Mm. when it's that big, even if they took an ungodly amount percentage-wise, probably made pretty good bank. Depends on on who wrote the songs. Oh, I just assumed he did. Well, maybe he did. I don't know for a fact. Well, let's assume he did. It will depend on who wrote the songs. Let's assume he wrote the songs. Then he's getting residuals still. So he he made enough where, yeah, his other albums didn't do well, but he's still probably sitting pretty. That helps. According to you and I and and most people, Terrence Trent Darby was there and And he was just gone. Gone. Because it was such hype. And I almost knew it at the time. I was I was young, but still thought, wait a minute, they're way overplaying their hand on this guy. They made him, it's the second coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking at the time when he came out, it was like, oh, this is another guy kind of like Prince. Like yeah. he's doing R&B, but it's, it's funky and it's yeah. rock a little bit and it's kind of mm-hmm. cool and it's got a little edge to it. And I, I dig, you know, I dig it. Jimmy Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, another person that was made to be, oh, this is the next biggest thing. You know, Stevie Wonder, he sounds like this, and he sounds like Prince and everything else. You're like, yeah. where is he? Mm-hmm. Never mind. Yeah, so there's somebody else we know that sounds a lot like this guy. And oh, I think yeah. when we play this song, yes. you're going to be like, oh, my God, it sounds like somebody we know. We'll talk about that when yeah. we get back. I'm going to play 
a song from that second album that apparently flopped and caused him just to go away. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a weird, name. it is a weird album. I listened to the whole thing. It's weird. But this song is pretty damn funky and rocking and cool. It's called You Will Pay Tomorrow. <laughs>
Okay, that was good, but I want to go just start talking about John. So, <laughs> who did that remind you of? So, our friend, we've talked about him many times, John Stringer. Kevin played with him in a band, bands, plural, just a friend. He's somebody that part of me is sad that he is not a household name like Terrence Darby. Uh, <laughs> Because he is amazingly talented, equally as talented as the guy you just heard, and, and a nice guy. I don't know if sounds, Terrence is a great guy or not. I don't know him, but and he was a fan of Terrence Darby. He sound his voice tone so is play, similar. Play a short snippet right here. here to make your job harder <laughs> and you just heard a little brief snippet of what he sounds like so he's he's a great guy and i said part of me is sad but the rest of me is happy because he's happy right now he, he's it's not like he's sad that he you know didn't make fame make it famous he's got a beautiful wife he's got beautiful kids he loves what he does and he's a great guy. He's a motivational so, speaker. Yeah, now. and I he's, think I think he's happy doing what he's doing. He still does acoustic performances. Yeah, and travels. Around so he's got plays, a, he's so. got a great life. But like I said, when we first, I first, you knew him first, and then I met him, and I was just like, oh my god, this guy's absolutely going to hit it big. We just knew, and they yeah. came close. He, they they. We've, we've yeah, we played his examples. band Jade. Jade, yeah, he, and they he went after us. They, you know, did well and everything, but just not as well as we. I wanted it to be. Like I was rooting for him as hard as anybody. And then it became State of Man. State Remember, of they man. were State of Man. Yeah, because Jade was taken apparently. Mm. But that's just one of those things that it's it's not it's not a sad thing because, like I said, he's got a good life. He's he's a good guy and, and he's happy and everything. So we should get John we on the should. program. That'd be we cool. We should. It's a good interview. All right. Terrence Trindarby. We, we need some motivation. Get him on here. Get us all pumped up. Get us all pumped up. Yeah. yeah. Any other words about Terrence no, Trindarby? I, I we've said it all. I it, it never. What an it, odd story. It was catchy when it came out. Even I was like, okay, that's a catchy song. It's got a catchy hook to it. But then sign your name. I'm like, ah, I'm out. It's just <laughs> too slow. And by then, once again, I was heading in the other direction. Yeah. Harder and harder. That's all was. Pretty badass. I mean, that's yeah, and that, that's back that to guitar okay, that with catches that guitar. Yeah, wah wah guitar was amazing in that song. But yeah, that is hearing the rest of that. That's I never heard the rest of that story. I wondered too what whatever happened to him. Yeah, well, Terrence Trent Derby's dead. Dead, according Gone. to him. R.I.P. He's got a different name. Eight albums later, yeah. <laughs> keep him busy. <laughs> it keeps him, keeps him off the streets. Yeah, you know. Okay, we're gonna end with another band that were part of Prince's Minneapolis circle Sound. of influence. Yes, and this is definitely one that he put together. He probably did everything except for some of the vocals, maybe, and maybe even mm. those are his. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like we're playing know. Prince, but we're not. You we, never know. You don't really know. Yeah. Now, this is the band that he gave a certain song to that he then 
also gave it to Sinead O'Connor. So this was the first band to demo and record Nothing Compares to You. Their version, nothing happened with it. He Mm. then gave it to Sinbad O'Connor. Sign aid. And uh, yeah, she got a little hit with it. Oh, is it too too soon? No. making fun of it. Fine for me. I I never was a fan. She never did anything for me. And I, I don't know, whatever. I don't really know much about her other than her media blitz of being a jerk. Yeah, kind of. her, her hairdo. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, maybe her, I should her, do that. her hair didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a band called The Family, and that's you a good band. Probably, name. yeah. You would think there's other bands already named that, and I think there were. But this is The Family from the U.S., and this is a band, like I said, formed by Prince, signed to Prince's record label, Paisley Park Records. They were the first band on the label, mm. other than Prince. And this album came out in 1985, and uh, this was it. They just did a one and done. Basically, a, it was a way for Prince to do some other stuff. So just like the time Prince had a whole bunch of music and he wanted something else to do with it rather than just releasing more Prince albums because you can only put out one a year, I guess. You know, you can't have eight Prince albums come out. He would have. I think he did it later. Yeah. But in the 80s, he decided not to. So he invited some members of the time to put this band together. So he had Jellybean Johnson and Jerome Benton and Paul Peterson in this band, and they called it The Family. And it was um, all Prince, just overdubbed some of the vocals and all Prince. So we're about to hear Prince, basically. But it's The Family. Yeah, but if, if it's somebody from Columbia Records listening, no, yeah. we're not playing Prince. Yeah. This, this is not Prince at all. Well, this album sold really poorly, which is weird because it was the first of these kind of projects yeah. that he put out. But I guess it, maybe they didn't know how to market it because Prince was so big. I mean, yeah. you think about it. This came out in 80, what did I say, 85? Oh, yeah. So Prince was Purple so huge, already hit. Didn't have his name on it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really come out and say, I did everything on this. Because nowadays they'll say, so-and-so featuring right. so-and-so. Yeah, they didn't do that back then. Yeah. So after the band performed a single concert and released this self-titled album, which had two singles on it, um, the band members felt like they were a little too constricted by Prince's control, mm-hmm. mainly the singer, <laughs> and quit. And so the band kind of just went away and the remaining members became the revolution, part of the revolution. So just kind of get just, the family just went back into the family of Prince. <laughs> All right, back over there, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Put your purple coat back on. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to hear a song. I hate purple. I hate it so much. <laughs> Don't want to wear purple. We're going to hear a song from the family, which is actually the purple one. And it's called High Fashion. This was one of the singles. <laughs> Fashion, skirts on the way through. She's 
I don't know if I remember that or it just sounds so familiar. Sounds so Prince. Doesn't sounds it? so Prince that I think I know that song, but I don't know if I really know that song. But yeah, that's obviously that album's out of print. Like was you that, can't even find it. Was that about the time he started having issues with the record company and he became the symbol known as Prince? No, no, that was much later. later. Okay, but maybe yeah. he was trying to do things outside of the realm of like his contract, so that's maybe. why he wasn't putting his name on it. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really bizarre sounding single yeah <laughs> like circus craziness but that chucking but, guitar oh my god it's so prince but that was a precursor to once again more the batman mm-hmm. yeah. prince era yep. and so yeah it wasn't my thing i love it's it it's gotta be more rocking <laughs> than for me for the prince stuff yeah, i love it i know it didn't have any ripping guitar leads yeah. it was all saxophone and a lot of these songs didn't have guitar leads but the chucking and the oh yeah the, just the rhythmic the rhythmic part of it stuff was going on it was, is even as simple as it was, you're like, that's Prince. Oh, yeah. You're like, you play a song, you're like, no, that's got to be Prince. Even though it was absolute minimalist guitar play, you could still pick it out. But it's amazing how much of an influence yes. he had on music in general, and especially in the merger of rock and yeah. funk. And I, I regret not being into him enough where I would have want to go wanted to go see him because he played Atlanta, I think, was his last concert before he it passed It was. Away. I think he played... Um, the Fox? The or, Fox, I And it was a, like an acoustic, just him and a piano or yeah. something like that. It wasn't a yeah. full band. Cooper, who was in the swear, yeah. uh, he saw that show, and I believe. From what I've heard, once again, amazing show, great performer, just the way he could captivate an audience and hold them and just the entertainer side of him, not just musician. So he, he had all of it. So you never saw him live? No. We no, saw I, him one I, time. I regret that. Grace and I went one time and it was the tour where you had to... You basically, you bought a ticket and you got a CD. Every purchase of a concert ticket got mm-hmm. his new CD. It got him on the charts. It was This was in like 2001 or so. Yeah. And it got him major kudos as far as getting on the charts because every ticket sold was, it, was it, a CD. It counted as a CD sales. Yeah. Genius. Genius. Smart man. He was so he smart. Was so smart. He wouldn't shut up though. Oh, really? Like the guy that would never talk in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, by the 2000s, all he did was want to talk. Like, and can you just play your hits, he, man? He, he was playing the hits. He he cut, I think, most of the hits either in half or short oh, no. because he wanted to go on a little rant. Uh, no. And I'm no. like, dude, dude, you were playing the song. No, I want to see playing ni- it. I want to see 1986 and Prince or 84 do a little talking. Prince, 85, where he would just nonstop, like the songs just played. went from one song to the next. Yeah. Next, next. And like, a marathon revival, you know, pep rally type experience yeah. for fifty people on the stage. Remember All you those, got in between was <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you got no. some of that stuff. No, no, I've seen the videos. Like I said, where there's 25, 30 people on stage. Oh yeah, three story stage, and you know he's running around. That's the one I wanted to see. When I saw him, though, he did have Maceo Parker playing with his group, mm-hmm. who's like James Brown's guy. Yeah. He had him playing in the band, which was really cool God, to see that. That was he had a day. Badass band. He had Candy Dolfer mm-hmm. in that band. Oh, yeah, the talent. Oh, man, the drumming. God, the drummer was amazing. Yeah, it was, that was so cool to see it. I'm glad I got to see it once, at least. But I just wish he would have kept his mouth shut a little bit. But, you know, it's <laughs> guess, Prince. What are you going to do? That goes for a lot of musicians. Like, hey, 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 come on. I, I <laughs> Let's came, talk more play. I, I bought a ticket to hear your music, dude. Come on, just just, just play. 
Yeah. So that's what I got for you. This was a more glossified 80s glammy funk rock that we have not even touched before. No, so this very is a different. whole new area. I'm glad you pushed the boundaries yeah. of, of an obscuria just we, a little bit. That's we may have lost you. a few listeners. That's okay. But Fuck you know off. what? I'm sorry. Did I say that? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's no, our show. I didn't mean that at all. I'm sorry. Come no. back. Come back. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm pushing a little bit yeah, on this episode, okay. but it's all still funk rock to me. And it's just amazing music. We yep. love funk. We do. So what? I'm dancing. I don't care whether you like it or not. Put your hands in the air. Exactly. And that's all I got. All right. Until next time. See you later.